Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna. Joined by 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivan. So we've got a special guest today, national recruiting analyst, Blair Angulo. He's also the co-host of the College Football Recruiting Show, which airs Monday and Thursday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Blair Angulo, is that a good enough intro for you, my friend? <laughs> it's uh, When you said special, I had already cashed in. <laughs> Hey, brother, you've been busy. You've been busy. You're out on the road right now. You're grinding. Andrew's out on the road. we got both of you guys in hotel rooms. You're holding down the residence in somewhere in Arizona. Blair, eight schools, two days. You've seen 19 different teams as you start your kind of uh, recruiting. I don't know what you would call it. Definitely not an adventure. I mean, I guess you could call it an adventure, but you're out there. You're working, man. How's it going? It's going well. It's an expedition, I, I would call it, right? That's the like word I was you're, looking for, for sure. Yeah, you're you're traversing the terrain out here in the desert, going from school to school. Arizona does something really interesting where they invite maybe six, seven schools to one location, and it makes it really easy for the college coaches during the spring eval period so that they don't have to drive around. I don't know if you guys have been to Phoenix, but Phoenix is one of the biggest growing cities in America, right? And they keep expanding. Uh, there are places now where it used to be desert and it's completely populated. Uh, so it's a huge area to cover and it's really tough to, to get places. It'll take you 50 minutes, even if you're driving 80 miles an hour uh, to get from one corner to the other corner. And uh, so when coaches are in a hurry, right, and they only have a few days to go on the road, uh, it's very convenient for them to go to one place and see as many kids as possible. So I, I really think it, it's a great thing that they do here in Arizona. It's a two-week thing, uh, and you'll see coaches hop in and out because it's really, really a, 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 an idea that uh, has allowed them to see as many pro uh, players as possible. So, yeah, I've kind of been tagging along, and uh, I, I make use of it as well to be able to make sure that I see as many guys as I can in, in three or four day stretches. Coop, get get this. I was on the phone with Blair last night and he was at one of these showcases and he told me that they were in a weather delay. I didn't know it rained in, in Arizona. I, I was like, what, what type of weather delay? What's going on out there? It was, it was wild, guys. Uh, we were driving 
to get out to Williamsfield. And uh, not only did we encounter a dust storm, but then we saw lightning bolts strike uh, from a distance, which is the direction we were headed in. And then once we got there, they had pulled the players off the field. Uh, and this was four teams of, I, I would say, maybe like 60, team, uh, 60 players each team. So this was about 200 plus players all walking into the same field house to escape the weather. Um, but yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, you know, it was 105 degrees earlier in the day. Uh, then it dipped down to like the 80s uh, with kind of that that weird weather. But yeah, I think it was uh, it was interesting. It's fun. Uh, it's it's something I'm not really used to. But you know, whenever I come out to Phoenix, you have to expect the unexpected. Blair. Speaking of a, a player that I'd love to see throw a football in a dust storm, number one player in the country, Dylan Rayola. He's off the board of the Georgia Bulldogs. You've been following this recruitment. It's been a lot of ups and downs from the time that he is committed to Ohio State, decommitted from Ohio State, opened the process back up. A lot of connections with the family, with the Rayola family, to the Nebraska program. At the end of the day, Dylan Rayola ends up at Georgia. And over, I would say, the last month or so, that's where it seems like this recruitment had been trending. You wrote a great article on 247sports.com. You can check it out there about Dylan Rayola's first day as a Georgia commit and kind of what went into it from the morning of working out with his dad and his younger brother uh, to later having a workout on the field in front of offensive coordinator Mike Bobo at the University of Georgia. So, Blair, can you kind of take us through, I guess, riding shotgun in this recruitment and from start to finish and how this is unwinded and I guess what your takeaway is now that it's pretty much all said and done for Dylan Rayola. Yeah, guys, I wrote right that, uh, the conclusion was not surprising. Uh, I think we had all kind of seen this commitment coming for the last five, six weeks. Um, once he didn't make it back to Los Angeles and, and check out USC in their spring game, even though I think he was in town that weekend to work out with his private trainers, uh, that was, uh, in my opinion, the the ultimate indicator, right? Like you're not going to drive the extra 30 minutes to go see Lincoln Riley's offense inside the Coliseum and to see Caleb Williams and interact with other recruits. Uh, that kind of told me that his mind had already been made up. Um, and the fact that Georgia was the only official visit he was scheduling and remember, this was a, a message that they were sending as a family that, hey, we're going to take our official visits. We're going to go out to places and really gather all the information we need to gather. And then we're going to take our time and make that decision. So when that decision is made, we feel like we've checked off all the boxes. Uh, but once they did check off all those boxes and all these other schools maybe started to in a way take a back seat to the Georgia Bulldogs, that's when you that's when you knew. Um, and, and I just feel like it's a, it's a great fit because this is a player who wants to test himself in the SEC. Uh, he told me, and I think this is one of the clips that we're going to run uh, Thursday on, on the college football recruiting show over at the, at the YouTube channel, is that he had always dreamed of playing in the SEC, wanted to test himself in the SEC. Uh, you know, he calls Matt Stafford an uncle. Matt Stafford and his, and his father, Dominic Rayola, played together for various years with the Detroit Lions. And uh, I think the stories and, and all the things that he has heard about, you know, those, those really big time Saturday nights 
in the SEC really appealed to him. And that's something that USC just wasn't going to give him. Uh, Nebraska, that, that wasn't going to happen there either. Uh, Oregon was was in the mix a little bit. And, you know, but even even then, like he was at the Elite 11 Regional in Eugene, but didn't make a stop two miles up the road on campus to check out Dan Lanning like that all these there were so many indicators there where he had already shut down his process uh and it was funny right he told me that he FaceTimed Kirby Smart on Saturday this past weekend and Kirby Smart for some reason was completely shocked and floored that he was committing uh which was obviously you know it, it's for me it was interesting right it's like come on Kirby you got you gotta you gotta know that you had Dylan Riola in, in the bag um and you know another interesting story that didn't really make the 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 that that article that I wrote uh, after his workout on 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 my Monday, uh, you know Dominic Riola, his father told me that Mike Bobo, who was in attendance at that college showcase, um, had originally scheduled to fly out of Phoenix at eight p.m. Uh, and mind you, Pinnacle O'Connor that that whole area is way up in North Phoenix. You, you got to drive from downtown like another 45 minutes and no traffic like you're way up there on the way to flagstaff uh that that showcase got pushed back uh so there was going to be some delays uh there was a multi-showcase there was two sessions mike bobo ends up having to reschedule a flight from a closer airport to get out of there that same town he's got to keep recruiting uh i guess he called kirby smart according to dom Riola and Kirby let him use the jet. He let him use the jet. They were able to schedule him out uh, closer, 9 p.m. departure out of Phoenix. I thought that was really interesting, and and I was like, man, like what you know, what what it must be like to recruit as a Georgia coach. You know, you got all these coaches scrambling to get down to Sky Harbor in downtown Phoenix, uh, but Georgia, right, which spends the most of any college in the country. You know, all you had to do is just buzz Kirby and be like, hey, man. You know what I did today? I got Dylan Rayola. Can you can you uh, you know can you throw me a bone? Just call in the relief pitcher. You know that's how it works. I mean Andrew Andrew has a great story last year that he told about Nick Saban taking a private plane. What was it, Andrew? Eleven minutes? Oh yeah, eleven minutes. Uh, I, yeah, I think they were taxiing longer than they were in the air. He was out. <laughs> but I have a Georgia story. I was going to bring this up. Like I have been at games in Miami, right? Miami, bad traffic. I've been at games and run into a Georgia coach and they'll be leaving at halftime and, and they'll be getting on the, on the private jet. I'm like, you are going to be home before I am. And you're flying to, a, you know, you're flying to Athens out of Opelika. And it's just crazy to see the, those operations. Blair, I thought uh, an interesting, you brought up Mike Bobo, really good nugget in the story that he had a camcorder out there uh, checking out Dylan Rayola, number one prospect in the country. Got to get, got to get the eyes. We, I don't know if that's for show or, or actual cutups, but uh, someone brought it up on the recruiting show. Jordan Hill uh, covers Georgia for twenty four seven Sports. The relationship between Dylan's father and Mike Bobo. Uh, can you shed some light on that? Because I think it's interesting, right? Todd Monken leaves Georgia for the NFL and Mike Bobo was on staff, but he steps into this new offensive coordinator role. I mean, I don't know if we've seen it before where a school can change OCs and then land the best of the best in a class at a position, you know, that is the most important on the field. So uh, did those, what is the relationship between those two Dom and Mike Bobo? I think there's a huge comfort level, right? Like I think they understand that 
the, that there's not going to be a, a skipped beat now that that they are moving into a new offensive coordinator position that there are changing you know some concepts here or there and and it's interesting andrew that you bring up the the handheld camera i wrote that in the story and the georgia board on our georgia site uh there were some jokes right about <laughs> about how mike bobo pulled out a handheld camera i mean that's so old school I've but seen, he, i've seen i've seen glenn schumann do it on the road as well so like they well, all do it Right, but remember, Dylan Rayola still has an official visit scheduled for that first weekend of June, and the word is that he will probably be back on campus this coming weekend for that scavenger hunt, right, where you go and try to find Kirby at the end of the day. Um, and, and I would not be surprised if Mike Bobo gets one of the interns to cut up all these clips and pulls Dylan Rayola into the film room and be like, hey, like, you know, look at your shoulder here, right? Or look at your footwork here. You got a little lazy on, on this post route. Um, that's something he can't really do at, at the college showcase, you're right? When he's got his own pinnacle sh coaches there on the field, coaching him up. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's all really good work. Um, I think that there's a, a strong comfort level. I think they understand that, you know, I think Dylan's strong points are something that Mike, Mo Mike Bobo wants to be able to use and utilize uh, in his offense, he can get the ball out quickly. He can make those reads, uh, you know, quick, uh, quick, and go through the progressions when he has to. Uh, he's a big-bodied, physical prospect who, you know, has some mobility inside the pocket. I still want to see a little bit more um, flexibility out of him outside the pocket, and and maybe extending plays and and getting downfield and picking up yards with his legs. Uh, but I think that's an element that will come as he continues to learn. Uh, you know, certain offenses and, and obviously being committed to Georgia now, I think will help him because he will understand what's expected of him. Those camcorders are not for show. I promise you that. I mean, that's that's always been part of the process. I was at Alabama in 2014. Kirby Smart was a defensive coordinator. Those camcorders have been around for a long time. And that is something, I mean, we used to have to cut up the tape off the road as well. That always helped. I mean, any any type of additional context was also always a plus. In the evaluation Cooper, do, process. Sorry, sorry to sorry. Do they do they have like a barcode on them? Like, do you have to scan them out as you leave campus? Like, like when you go to the library and and they're like, oh, uh, Mike Bobo, you you had camcorder zero zero four. You know, make sure you have it in by Wednesday because we got to ship this one out to Maryland. I believe they're all held by by the personnel department, and before they go out on the road, they distribute them. And then, you know, it's just something they throw in their back. The other thing, too, is that they're all, like, old. Like, they're not, like, these new cameras, right? Like, they're, they're old older. School. And it's because the coaches know how to use the older technology. Am I, am I wrong there, Cooper? Correct. There is a funny story from a friend of mine uh, in college football who <laughs> kind of reminded me of, like, Zoolander, you know? It's like they have, like, Exo Scout, which is anybody who works in player personnel knows what that is. It's where you watch your tape, your all 22 tape. But it has to be connected to the server. The server, which is kind of like the cloud, exists within the building that you work in, right? It's not something typically you can take on the road. And if you do take it on the road, you got you to gotta download the tape first. But a lot of these old school coaches, they'll get in the habit, especially when I was at Washington, we had guys that would just take the – they'd take the computer – they disconnect it and they bring it home with them. And then they call you and be like, hey, why can't I access the tape? It's like the files are in the computer. It's like, that's not how it works. You have to download the tape. You got to be connected to the server and that's how it works. But Blair, back back to Dylan Rayola. Andrew and I have talked about this over the last two days. And I brought it up. It, it, the, the coincidence, I don't know if you want to call it that, but 
Rayola, outside of Eason and Jacob Daniels, he's another West Coast quarterback that has found his way into the teeth of the SEC in back-to-back national champions. Do you have a pulse on what Dylan Rayola's expectations are in terms of how he feels and how early he plans on contributing in Georgia? Or is this a guy that you feel confident is – hey, I'm going to get there, I'm going to learn, I'm going to develop, and then I'm going to just let it kind of – I'm going to let the ball ball roll out there and whatever happens, happens. I think he's a competitor, right? And I think he's going in there expecting to compete for, from day one uh, for that position. And I think he wants to be ready. Uh, he's been going out to L.A. every few weeks to, to train. He, he's obviously got some mentors uh, that have vast NFL experience and even some current NFL quarterbacks. His sister is a volleyball player at TCU. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, he did, the family was out in, in Texas. And, and guess who he got to work out with for three days? None other than Patrick Mahomes, right? Like private workouts. Imagine the type of prospect you become if you're picking the brain of Patrick Mahomes right now. So yeah, I think he's mentally going to be prepared. He's very, very, very going to be prepared physically as well. I, I would say maybe the most physically prepared quarterback in this class, just given his his height, his weight, uh, just the attributes that he has. So uh, for him and, and the family, and, and I would even say for Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo, I mean, the expectation is for him to – to be as ready as early as possible if they if they need to call upon him. Um, you know, George is a little bit different, right? Where, you know, you kind of need a guy that's going to be able to operate things. And it's a, such a well-oiled machine that, you know, maybe you, you can't really – you can't really go through some hiccups. That's something that you just can't do in the SEC or at Georgia if you have those expectations. Uh, but the good thing and the good news for Rayola is that he has well over a year to get ready for that 2024 season if it comes down to that. A lot of positive reviews about Carson Beck coming out of the spring quarterback that is expected to be the starter there in Athens. Brock Vandergriff, another talented arm as well. You have Gunnar Stockton there too. but. If Carson Beck performs this year, expect him to depart for the NFL. That's a big if. I think Dylan Rayola can go into that room, and undoubtedly, at least in my opinion, he's the most talented quarterback in that room between a room of Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton. Last question on Rayola, at least on my end, is this somebody you expect to enroll early in Athens? Yeah, I think that's the plan. Is is They've been setting up to get to Athens early and and just be done with the process that's why you know he was committing as early as he was just so that he could line everything up and then start working on recruiting some of these other guys um, I, I feel like that's another uh, bit of uh you know kind of a a, a voice clip or, or a, a piece of video that we're going to be able to show on the show thursdays you know he just runs down all the guys he's working on jeremiah smith being a big one right they were both committed to ohio state at the same time uh, and, and I know they've continued to, to, to have conversations and, you know, he wants to have offense, offensive players around him. He wants receivers. He wants running backs. Uh, he, he wants offensive linemen. Um, he said that they could probably get the number one class of all time. Uh, I think he said that that's the goal is to be able to, to, to have that on their belt as, as the best class ever to sign with a school. So, you know, watch out, watch out for the Georgia Bulldogs now that Dylan Rayola 
is committed because I think this is where you see that effect of having a player with his personality, with his connections across the country and with his staying power from a name perspective. Like everyone knows who Dylan Rayola, if you're a college football recruit right now. And so now that he's off the board, I think Georgia has just a, a little bit more oomph behind their name. Yeah, I, I just wrote on 247sports.com, you know, he can un- unlock or, or help bring something to UGA that they haven't had, and that's five-star wide receivers. You know, last one they got was George Pickens, and you mentioned Jeremiah Smith. He visits this weekend. Ryan Wingo. I also think it helps with the tight ends that they're they're chasing after. Uh, last one for me on Rayola before we uh, drift in another direction, Blair, and I know you're going to hate this question, but I think I think the answer will be interesting. Who do you think was the runner-up for Dylan Rayola? Who who was number two? Right. I mean, I know USC. We know Nebraska was in there. You, you brought up Oregon and Dan Lanning, but who do you really think finished second? I think it was USC, and and I'm sorry, Huskers fans, if you're hate listening to this podcast. Uh, because well, uh, to, to, to be clear, I, I was not trying to get like an audio clip out of this. Like, I don't want you like getting blasted by the social. I was just. I'm generally interested. No, I do think it was the Trojans. Um, I always felt like they were the biggest threat to Georgia uh, when he did reopen his recruitment. Uh, My crystal ball was on USC, and I do feel like they led at some point during this recruitment down the stretch, you know, until Georgia overtook them and and, and all that. Uh, I I just feel like the the draw and the appeal of of staying out West was was one of those factors that that made USC an an appealing destination. You have the Heisman Trophy, you know, winner in Caleb Williams and what Lincoln Riley's been able to do not only at USC in such a short time, but what he did at Oklahoma. Um, I I think that they he has a really good friendship with Deuce Robinson, who you know, is now headed to USC and, and could potentially be drafted in the MLB this this summer as well. Those were all factors that I felt like were drawing Rayola to play in Los Angeles. And, and then you got Matt Stafford down the road playing at SoFi, right? Like that connection too is is is, is huge. He has such a really good relationship with uh, the Rams quarterback that that I think that I thought that having him nearby as a mentor and, and, and as a workout partner and, and as a player that he can lean on as he's going week to week of the college football season grind. Um, that was another big selling point I felt like was working in USC's favor. And then he trains in, in Orange County, which is, you know, just a quick drive away from the LA campus. So uh, those were all things that I felt like he had, uh, you know, kind of in his back pocket when thinking about USC. And, and yeah, he liked Nebraska. He liked the idea, I felt like, of, of building a legacy and continuing what his dad was able to build there and, and being a, a player that that is, in a way, a foundation of what Matt Rule wants to do there. He loves the fan base, obviously. And, um, you know, the, those were all things that were drawing him to Nebraska as well. But you know, I, I do think that USC was the clear number two in this race. That's an important question, and I'll tell you why. I mean, what I don't have it offhand. What is it, five-star quarterbacks, like a 70% transfer rate? Athletic did a study, I think, past five years, top 50 quarterback recruits, over 60% of transferred. So you think about that, but you also think about Georgia in particular under Kirby Smart. I mean, the five stars, at least, at least off the top of my head, you have Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, JT Daniels. 
all three of those guys did not finish their career for the Georgia Bulldogs. And, and the reason I think that's important is, you know, we're talking about who finished runner up here. I mean, Lincoln Riley and everything that he can offer there in, in Los Angeles, kind of like a safe haven, right? So that would be interesting. And obviously, we're not going to get a, ahead of ourselves here. Dylan Rayola recruiting for the Bulldogs, excited to be a Bulldog. Blair, we appreciate you giving us the rundown there. Now, let's stay in the Pac-12 here at Arizona State and Kenny Dillingham, Dilly Dilly. We have not talked a lot about him, and that's a little bit of a surprise. I think I expected, at least me in my opinion, a lot more noise out of them at this point, but it's it's not, you know, shocking either at the same time as they try to get their feet under him, uh, under them, uh, the Sun Devils there in Arizona State. Now, hashtag activate the Valley. We all know Kenny Dillingham is a big social media presence as well, but Blair, we talk about some of these Pac-12 teams and how important Hawaii is. I mean, I think about the start of our relationship, right? When I was at the University of Washington and you covering the state of Hawaii, that was always a place where we wanted to have a presence under Chris Peterson. It appears Arizona State is going to take a stab at that as well. And, you know, they have the, they have the staff to do that. But in this 2024 cycle, it certainly feels like they are trying to make their presence known. Yeah, I kind of want to call them Aloha State University from now on because <laughs> they they have offered four of the top five players in Hawaii. They have a, a few other offers also sprinkled in, not only in this class, but in the next class. They've got two coaches on that staff that have some really strong ties on the islands, and that would be Sean Aguano, the running backs coach, and Saga Tuitele, the offensive line coach. Uh, those are two, you know, obviously renowned coaches that have that have vast connections. Uh, in Honolulu and around the, the city. So uh, I think they are going to be able to hit that state really hard. They have a big official visitor this weekend in Anelu Lafaele, who, by the way, Coop, he does have an official to Washington still. So you might be gone, but the Aloha is still strong there in Seattle. They, they're also, um, you know, I, I think going to be able to to have a, a bit more say in, in the type of recruits that they're going after, right? Like Herm Edwards, I don't think was was really thinking about Hawaii besides maybe going out there in January, right, for a vacation. Um, he he wasn't really targeting uh, places like that. He was allowing a lot of the assistants to run the show, and and for the most part, they were putting a huge emphasis on Southern California and in Texas. Now you bring up the interesting tidbit there of the hashtag activate the valley. Only one commitment so far from the greater Phoenix area, which is the the Valley of the Sun. And that would be Dylan Tapley out of uh, Scottsdale, Desert Mountain. He's a high three-star athlete, can play a little bit of receiver, can play some safety. He's got multi, um, multi-faceted uh, resume to, to his name. I really like him. I, I think he was a fantastic pool for them to, to win that recruiting battle. I know Oregon loved him. Um, so, you know, they, they do, they are off to a really slow start. They only have three commitments overall. Um, and then one of them being a local prospect, but, but watch out for them this summer, because I think they're going to start to put the heat on some players to, you know, potentially give them some momentum heading into the season, because I, I think they need all the buzz they can get uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah. The coaches haven't seen the field yet, right? They, we don't know what that team's going to look like. We don't know what Kenny Dillingham's going to bring from an on-field product standpoint. So, you know, his big selling point right now is is that that vision that he has for for the school and for the team. Uh, it, it, he has to sell the the promise of of what he hopes to build in Tempe, um, and and just right now it just hasn't connected. 
Yeah, Blair, I was going to ask that. I mean, they're sitting number 61 right now in, in the rankings. And, you know, I, I think the past few months and really that that start of the Dillingham era has been focused on the transfer portal. I mean, they got, I, I believe, 27 transfers or, or at least two dozen. Um, are you surprised they're there? And, and what do you think could be a, a realistic finish for them? Last, last year, they had the number 43 high school class. Like, do they have a, a runway to get up into the top 25 or is the on-field results going to be important? I think we should also point out, you know, week two, Oklahoma State at, is at home for Arizona State. They also got a sneaky, sneaky difficult game that following week against Fresno State and then followed up by USC. All those are at home, but it could be a, you know, two and two, one and three start for the Sun Devils. I do think there's some runway there. Remember what Jet Fish did in Arizona a couple of years ago where they, I think they only won one game, right? And he came in and really turned that program around. So I, I think, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I, I think he can do the same thing. I think they can finish in that 25 range, you know, top 30, top 35. Uh, there's no question that Dillingham is one of the best recruiters out West in terms of, of terms of his energy. And in terms of his approach, I think he connects with recruits. He has that that moxie to him where they feel really comfortable connecting with him and, and having conversations with him. Um, Hawaii is just one of the places that I think they're going to attack a, a little bit with with a little bit more effort than they did in the past. Um, and, and so for him, I think it's just to show a little bit of, of promise on the field. I think they just have to show a little bit of okay, look, this is where we're headed as a, as a program. This is the, the, the direction that we're going on. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I, I caught up with an assistant coach on the road yesterday, and he goes, hey, like, you know, this valley, when is it going to get activated, right? And he kind of said it with, with a smirk on his face, uh, and he kind of winked at me. Um, so, yeah, like, I think other coaches understand, too, like, hey, like, we're still waiting for Ken Dillingham to turn it on, and and get some of these commitments and, you know, maybe win some of these battles that, that he's supposed to win. Um, but for now, I, I think they're all happy that they're, you know, that they're still staying in these, in these recruiting battles and, you know, they have their share of wins in them as well. Blair, does it surprise you that it, it seems even since like 2018, 2019, when I was out there on the Pac-12, Pac-12 footprint, it doesn't seem like there's been one program that has been able to plant their flag in Hawaii. And it's not like Hawaii year in and year out churns out big time prospects, but it does feel like every other year. I mean, it seems like it would be, uh, I would say of value to have that strategy of saying, Hey, this is going to be an area in terms of relationships that we are going to continue to foster because if we can make Hawaii somewhat of a pipeline, that's going to be a plus for us. And that, nobody on the West coast has really been able to do that. It used to be USC, right? Like USC used to go into Hawaii and get whoever they wanted. Like it didn't matter. The the legacy, the tradition, the prestige of the program. Uh, you would hear recruits say, oh, you know, that's my family's favorite team. And, you know, my dream has always been to, to go there. Um, you know, then Oregon went, in, went on a little run with, with Marcus Mariota and, and, and players like that, that, that kind of put that that program on the map on the islands you go out and see uh, a ton of Oregon gear everywhere in Honolulu Washington was a school right that that was really targeting the the state of Hawaii and, and making a lot of inroads there and, and the connections that I, I feel like a Kaika Malloy had there um, 
were, were really helping the Huskies. He's now a, an assistant over at UCLA. But yeah, now it's like a smorgasbord of, of like schools that go in there and get prospects, right? Like in the last cycle, Utah had the number one player in Brock Fondamoyana. He's going to go on a, on a two-year church mission, so we won't see him in Salt Lake City for another couple of years. Leona Lefau went to Texas. Um, you know, this year, Preston Taumua, the, the number one rated player in the state of Hawaii, uh, he's got official visits scheduled with Auburn and, and with uh, Tennessee. So it looks like he might be leaning SEC uh, early on. So, yeah, it's it's all over the map now. And, and, you know, I feel like it's been like that for a couple of years now. Uh, I, I think when Tua Tonga Bailoa went to Alabama over USC, that, I think that kind of changed everything. Like, I think recruits in the state of Hawaii started to see and started to, to realize, like, I don't have to stay on the West Coast. Sure, the, the flight is easier if I want to come home, right? It's going to be only a five-minute trek to get to the mainland if I need to get back on campus. Uh, but I don't have to do it to be a successful college player and to have a shot at the NFL. Uh, Jordan Botello went to Notre Dame. You know, uh, Nick Herbig, who we just saw get drafted, went to Wisconsin of all places, over places like Oregon and, and Washington. Um, you know, I think these recruits are realizing like that the opportunities are vast. And if they want to play big time football, they can go anywhere in the country. So, yeah, I think it, it's an uphill battle for some of these schools like ASU, but the effort is there. And I think that's if you're a fan of the Sun Devils, if you're a fan maybe of some other Pac-12 schools, you, you I think you you draw some optimism. And, and the energy that they are exerting out West. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Blair, I want to pick your brain on another Pac-12 program or current Pac-12 program. Utah, um, last year, signed highest ranked recruiting class ever for the Utes. I remember me and you discussing that at length during our signing day uh, specials. But right now, sitting number 62 in the rankings, so they're one spot behind uh, Arizona State. Just a different world out, out, in, out in your territory. Uh, but it sounds like some, some good news could be on the way for the Utes and, and Kyle Whittingham in, in the form of a quarterback, right? Yeah, I do feel like the Utah Utes are, are in a really good spot with, with Isaac Wilson. 
He's a four-star quarterback from Corner Canyon, the brother of Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, or I guess we're, we're saying Jets backup now, right? Like, uh, have they announced a starter year there in, in, in New York? Um, former number two overall draft pick. Uh, a, you know, this is a player who has faced some adversity early on in his high school career because, you know, his brother was uh, two years removed from from playing there in, in the state of, of Utah at BYU. Um, Jackson Dart comes in and transfers to, to Corner Canyon. Uh, you know, that player goes on a meteoric rise, signs with USC, plays his freshman year, transfers to Ole Miss. Uh, then, you know, it looks like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll get the reins as a sophomore. Uh, and then who transferred in? Devin Brown, who's now at Ohio State, a former USC commit. Um, so he had to kind of, you know, wait his time. But he had a really good junior season heading into his senior year but he's got a lot of name recognition obviously as being a wilson a lot of people i think assumed that he would be going to byu you know it worked for zach it could probably work for isaac in that offense that, that program's headed to the big 12 but give me the utah utes in, in this battle you know he is a legacy his father played defensive line um at utah and you know i think it's been an interesting dynamic there in salt lake city andrew because uh, Utah fans have grown to hate the Wilson family after Zach and what he was able to do at BYU. The two other brothers, Micah and Josh, also are in Provo playing linebacker for BYU. Um, so it, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, well, we didn't even offer Zach Wilson. We didn't want him, right? Like, or, or oh, we didn't we didn't offer Micah. We didn't offer Josh. Uh, but now, but now they offered Isaac, and, and Isaac was clearly the number one priority for them in this class. And uh, I do like where, where Utah sits. So, yeah, I think that could be uh, approaching the finish line. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens sooner rather than later. I know Arizona's been in there. I know Kenny Dillingham and ASU have been in there. They've drawn multiple visits this offseason. Uh, but but I think he has felt really comfortable with, with uh, Coach Kyle Whittingham, the you know, in a way, kind of the stability of that program. He saw what they did in that 2023 recruiting class and some of the playmakers that they were able to bring in. So those were all really strong appeals. And uh, it just sounds like Utah's in a really, really good spot there for Isaac Wilson, who I think is one of two uncommitted four-star quarterbacks now with Dylan Rayola off the board, the other one being Elijah Brown out in Southern California. I love what Utah has done, especially over the last two years. You think about Kyle Whittingham's track record in terms of player development and to think – with a top 25 class last year, I believe, top 35 class the year before that in 2022, you'd certainly heading in the right direction. Back-to-back -back Rose Bowl appearances as well. Blair, a couple rapid-fire updates on recruitment. Three-star running back Christian Clark out of Mountain Point uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. This guy's got a, a lot of attention. Georgia, Texas, USC, Oregon, all warm on his profile. Uh, what's the latest with him? Yeah, guys, Christian Clark has an official visit this weekend to USC. And uh, it's interesting because USC had a lot of success in the Grand Canyon State. Sure, they lost Dylan Rayola in this cycle. But remember, they're, they're coming off of getting Deuce Robinson and, and beating Georgia for him, the five-star talent. They also got Jacoby Lane uh, out in Arizona and four-star offensive lineman Elijah Page. Uh, and then even dating back to when Lincoln was at Oklahoma, right? Remember Mark Andrews and 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 a, a guy by the name of Spencer Rattler, who went, he went into the state of Arizona as well. So he understands the power of going out to the Grand Canyon State and and getting some of the talent to to stay closer out west and playing for 
for the for the Trojans. Christian Clark is a terrific running back. I really like his skill set. He's a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's got the vision, uh, the burst to to shoot through the the gaps and 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 you know really kind of explode past the line of scrimmage. Uh, not a ton of production. I, I would want to see him, you know, maybe put bigger bigger numbers um, there in the state of Arizona. I think he only rushed for about 770 last year, 11 touchdowns uh, as a junior. Um, but I think the the potential is there. He's got a ton of upside. Uh, he's got officials to Georgia uh, and, and Texas as well. Uh, Texas, you know, but by the way, also did pretty well with a running back out of the state of Arizona recently with B. John Robinson. Um, and, and then he did tell me that Dylan Rayola texted him right away uh, that day when he committed, uh, you know, to potentially join him in Athens. So he will be at Ath in Athens at the end of June. Uh, he's going to go to Texas at the middle of June. Uh, USD gets the first shot. And uh, he's the first uh, player in this class, guys, who has told me he was a fan of Reggie Bush growing up, which is, you know, we're, we're getting into that weird territory now because some of these guys are 16, 17 years old. And, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Reggie Bush was done playing 18 years ago, right? Like, like Reggie Bush played as, in 2005. Was that his last college season? Correct. Um, he so was yeah. drafted, drafted by the New Orleans Saints in 2006. Was a rookie. They made the NFC championship. Yeah, so 2005 was his final college season. We were approaching year 18 now of him being out of college, and we've got high school recruits saying, "Yeah, you know, I grew up watching Reggie Bush." So Christian Clark was was one of those. So I kind of have this theory, right? With like Dion and Coach Prime. I mean, Coop, me and you are we're all in the same age. Like with Prime, it doesn't really like hit for me. I think it's the generation that, that saw him play and then all the young kids because they watched the highlights, right? I think Reg, it was like the Reggie Bush to the same thing, right? Like maybe some of these guys that are already in college, like they don't know Reggie Bush, but like we all know the Reggie Bush. I mean, the Reggie Bush against Fresno State. And now now the YouTube clips are making the rounds and, and he's going to be a popular name. I have a theory about that. I mean, when I, when I was growing up, it was the end of Deion Sanders. It was the end of Jerry Rice. You know, you you knew about them because of their legacy and you knew about them from your parents. I mean, like if if your dad was a student of the game or watched the game enough, those were the names that constantly came up. And then, you know, you'd be watching Sports Center, and there was always going to be highlights, whether they were throwing it back or whatever it was of those two guys, Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice, Barry Sanders. I mean, you could pick whatever which one you want. But I mean, you would watch those guys and you'd be like, okay, those those guys are different. Reggie Bush, I mean, I know we're off-roading here. Reggie Bush, when I was younger, I mean, those games used to be on, what, Fox Sports, right? Yeah. Pac-12. I would stay up at night. To me, that's when when people talk about, you know, Pac-12 after dark. That's what I think about. I would stay up late as a kid and watch Reggie Bush against Fresno State or some non-conference team, whatever it was, just do his thing. I mean, it was like a video game, and that team – I mean, you had Reggie Bush, you had Lindale White, you had Matt Leiner. The list kind of goes on and on with the with the talent that they had there. I mean, one of the most, I would say, entertaining teams of in college football of all time. He ran for 294 yards against Fresno State on 23 carries. I just looked it up. That's what do you do in receiving that game? Because that, that was like the all-purpose game, one of the best all-purpose games I think I've ever seen. Three for 68. Did he have anything in the return game? I don't know. I'm on a box score from, <laughs> from 2005. 
It was one of those games. I don't know if you guys watch soccer, but they have like those heat maps, right? Where oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they like they cover where a player was on the field or on the pitch, and and you know the more he was on a certain side of the field, you know the the darker it gets or the brighter it gets uh, on that heat map. Like I would love to see the Reggie Bush heat map against Fresno State. Like give me that, give me that content. <laughs> Shout out to uh, okay, Christian okay, five hundred taking us down memory lane. Five hundred thirteen. All-purpose yards, so that included kick and punt returns. Five thirteen in one game, insane. That's yeah, a career. Maybe so, one of the best individual performances of. So all yeah, time. we don't blame Christian Clark right for going and mentioning <laughs> Reggie Bush and saying like, yeah, I, you know, I grew up watching him because maybe he just put that YouTube clip on on loop, and uh, you know, that, it, it's interesting because it gives USC that 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 appeal again, right? Like if recruits are still mentioning Reggie Bush. And then you got Lincoln Riley in your ear saying, oh, yeah, you can be, you know, I recruited Joe Mixon, right? Or, or I was the offensive coordinator when Samaje Piran was at, at Oklahoma. Like, these are all things that you draw and, and the strings that you pull as a recruiter. And, and yeah, yeah, just keep, keep mentioning and keep name dropping Reggie Bush and saying, yeah, look, he's going to be here on campus when you come, right? Like, he'll be here to, to meet the team or whatever it may be. And uh, these are all recruiting pitches. Yeah. One other thing to mention about Christian Clark, you know, I had a, a like a brain fart when I was talking to him because, you know, I was like, oh, it's it's interesting. You're going to visit USC this early. Um, you know, you've got two other officials like where where else are you going to go? What are the other two? And he goes, well, I don't have to just take five. And I was like, oh, I was, I was like, dude, you're right. Like you can take as many as you want now. And so, you know, he's already got that seed planted in his head that he might go past the five official visits. Uh, and he, he it doesn't matter how early he's taking these or 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 how much information he's gathering because he can still always take those other these, these other official visits. He doesn't have to li limit himself to five anymore. I'm looking forward to these athletic departments around the country going broke because the NCAA green lit official visits for everybody. You can do more than five, which is crazy. I was talking to some some buddies in in the industry about that. I don't I don't know how you prepare for that when these guys get time off. But that's just kind of nuts to me. We we talked about well, that yesterday a little bit. And I I've since had the thought like, dude, these monster games, like when we're talking SEC on on whatever the three thirty slot, like every kid's gonna want to be there. And now it's like the stress of having a you're putting on your support staff. I mean, well, you're gonna have to have an army of people. How do you know if you're not getting used, right? Exactly. Yeah, like how do you filter how do you filter that like like you're going to get a bunch of ticket requests and you're going to want to have a lot of recruits that are going to say hey like I want to be there that weekend I want to go to Notre Dame Ohio, Ohio State right like if you're Marcus Freeman how do you go through the list and say okay these are all the guys we can bring in and these are all the guys we can't bring in or these are the guys that just want to be in town for for a big game and just want a, a weekend getaway uh, and and you know they kind of want to get away like how how do you how do you filter that without affecting those relationships, maybe. I think you approach it like the NFL approaches top 30 visits. And I think if you're an offer intake, which means that if you have a committable offer, then those are the guys that you prioritize getting to campus. Outside of that, if you're not, yeah. hey, you want to treat it like it's an unofficial visit. I'm sorry, you got to pay your own way. Right. and it, But it sounds easy to say that in theory, but someone's always going to buck the trend. There's going to be some staff out there. It's like, ah, well, we'll, we'll bring you in. And then, you know, you got to put your foot down, right? Like, 
how many but how the, many schools would have that power? Pushback. There's going to be pushback from athletic departments that are saying, "Hey, we're not going to be able to afford this." Well, I mean, we this, talked about it. These are expensive. The the steak dinners are going to be, you know, a, a barbecue uh, buffet. Maybe every college coach has to have Timmy Chang on speed dial and and call him up and be like, "Hey, like, how do you prevent all these kids from taking officials to Hawaii when you know they're not really considering Hawaii?" Right at the end of the day, I mean, like you have all these luxurious dinners. I mean, there's going to be some programs who are going to be forced to eat at Shoney's. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't. They don't. They don't have another option. All right, we said 45 minutes, Blair. You were slightly offended in the beginning when I said we'll keep it under 30 minutes. As I always say, we never go under 30 minutes. The last guy we got on here, 2025, baby, let's get into it. Wide receiver Cooper Perry, the number 118 prospect, according to the top 247 in the 2025 class, number 17 receiver. Blair, I like this kid a lot. Um, little update on Cooper Perry. What you got? You're going to love this, this player, Cooper. I, I know you like him right now, but – I saw him as part of one of those workouts that I went to this week uh, out in Scottsdale, and the kid can go, right? Like, you, you see it on film. You see the twitchiness, the, the freaky athleticism. Uh, just he's, he's a, a dominant player at the high school level. Uh, but then you go out and see him, and you're like, okay, like he just moves at a different gear. Uh, he's a lacrosse player, like a high-level lacrosse player, so he hasn't really been – out on the camp circuit. He hasn't done seven on seven. This is a player who's for the most part under the radar, right? Like nationally in the, in that scene where, you know, you're not going to go see a matchup against the best defensive backs in the month of February at a camp. You just won't because he's playing another sport. So, you know, to go out and see him uh, in a workout and do some one-on-ones against, you know, some really helpless teammates, I felt bad for some of those guys and how he's putting him on skates, uh, just a <laughs> high-level, high-level route runner, really good hand-eye coordination, a, a physical pass catcher, a really strong lower body, um, a, a guy that really eats up grass in, in, a, in a quick, quick way. Like he will get on a defensive back. Uh, really quickly, and, and I, I loved I love seeing him work out. I think he's a phenomenal prospect. Notre Dame has some buzz early on, guys. Uh, this is a prospect who I think really likes what um, the, the the pitch was from the Fighting Irish, and that, and that was you know maybe you can be a, a Jeff Samarja type uh, for us here in this offensive. If we want to throw back to 2006 uh, again, uh, you know we're just we're playing the hits, guys. That's what we're doing here on this show. Um, so yeah, I think they they you know that's a school that stands out to him early on. He's going to take some visits. He wants to go out to some places. Wants to get out to some games. Hasn't really locked in that schedule yet. But this is I think a player who every college program in America is going to have high on their board because. He's a phenomenal prospect. Comes from the same school that produced Jake Smith. Remember him a few years ago, uh, the the high caliber, I think national player of the year, according to Gatorade, uh, who signed with Texas um, and ended up transferring to USC. Not sure where he's at now or what he's up to, but um, same high school. And, uh, you know, I think people uh, are hoping that, you know, maybe we see a little bit more of, of Cooper Perry at the next level than we did of, of Jake Smith. Blair, is he is he committed to play lacrosse anywhere? Not that I'm aware of. Um, I think he. I, I mean, I think he's just kind of holding out for football. Like I think he wants to be uh, a big time football player, and I think that's kind of the the path and the roadmap that he's on. We are in the middle of a uh, lacrosse boom. I don't know if you guys saw 
the uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots invited uh, a Virginia lacrosse player to mini rookie mini camp. I, I think he's only played like one season of football and was at like uh, Richmond or something like that. And then Notre Dame, they just took a linebacker that was at one time committed to play lax at Ohio State, uh, Bodie Cahoon. And Wake Forest, they got a receiver, Ben Grice, who I think is kind of a stud. He might be the best return man here in the in the 24 cycle. He was committed to play at Delaware, now committed to play football at Wake Forest. And I think he's since picked up offers from like Stanford, Texas A&M, and, and Colorado. So lacrosse boom in full swing here. It's a um, it's a small sample size, but I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. I like Blair, you're talking about Cooper Perry as such like a polished route runner, but the correlation between the two sports, especially if you are at a skill position, I think just knowing and understanding how to attack space and leverage, right? That's the correlation that you see. And and the Patriots, if there's one team that has a reputation, whether it's going to get guys who have rugby backgrounds, lacrosse backgrounds, I think a Chris Hogan, right? That's the one receiver in the NFL that's got the lacrosse background. I actually think when he stepped away from the NFL, he went and played pro lacrosse. So it would be interesting there to, to, to see some of the crossover. Yeah, and two of the tight ends drafted this past, uh, what, a few weeks ago. Luke Musgrave, lacrosse player. Payne Durham, who came out of Purdue. I think he played lacrosse until his senior season of high school. Yeah, like we've heard like Steve Kerr, right? Like if we're drawing to those correlations between sports, like we've heard him talk about like having his players watch soccer, right? To like understand movements and where the ball should go and, you know, setting up spacing and positioning. Like I think there's a really good correlation between lacrosse and, and football, right? Like with that same mentality of like knowing, okay, this is where I need to be or this is how I need to set up the defender or this is my counter to his movement and, and all that sort of stuff, right? Where you're trying to fight for position and be physical, but at the same time, like buy yourself space and buy yourself time to make your move. Um, and, and I think we see that with Cooper Perry. I, I'm excited for you guys to finally see him whenever we, we get to see him, if we ever do, because uh, I don't know if this is a player we're going to ever be able to see on the camp circuit. It might just have to be like an in-person eval at a game or something, but um, I, I think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal prospect. Well, I just marked him down for the potential 2025 freaks list, so I'll trust your eyes here. I appreciate that, and – and uh you know, one last thing about him is, you know, I think the thing that struck me about him as well was um, just just like his overall confidence or like his overall moxie, his makeup. Like he, he was running around and, and making plays, uh, but at the same time, like picking up his teammates and like encouraging them and, and all that. Like th those are all traits that you look for as well in, in a player, right? Like this is a, a leader type of, of, of prospect that – you know, will be the number one player in the state at this point in the evaluation process. Um, and maybe sometimes you wonder, okay, like how much, how, how is he going to deal with that? Right. Or how is that going to affect, you know, the way he carries himself or the way he goes about it or, or, or improves, right? Like maybe we don't want, we don't want a player that's just going to stay stagnant and, and stay complacent and say, Oh, well, I'm already the number one player in the state of Arizona for the 2025 class. Like, no, like I, I think those in-person evals are, are that's something that appeals to me as well. Like seeing a guy do things like that 
that I know like, okay, that's going to correlate to to the next level. And and I know that that's player that's not going to get uh, complacent. He's going to continue to strive to continue to get better. And, and that may, maybe gives me more confidence, right, that we ranked him number one in the state. Reggie Bush, Jeff Samarja, Steve Kerr. Blair, it's always a blast going down memory lane with you and throwing it back to 2006. The boys are in their 30s. That's how you know we're getting old. But, guys, we appreciate having Blair and Gulo on. Like I said, you can catch him every Monday and Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, on the College Football Recruiting Show on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. You can also follow him at Blair and Gulo on Twitter. For So for our guests, Blair and Gulo, we're very grateful to you for – our director of scouting, Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Lynn. I'm Cooper Tagna. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.